Welcome to Run This World. I'm your host, Nicole DeBoom. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur turned 50-year-old mom of a 10-year-old. Actually, she's 11 now. No matter what age and stage I'm in, I always feel happier when I'm learning, growing, and connecting. And when I find amazing things that help me learn, grow, and connect, I naturally want to share. Hence, this podcast. This is an episode in a special series about women, midlife, and menopause. My goal is to help women understand, learn, and handle the changes we experience as we age. We're obviously very different emotionally and physically at 50 than we were at 20 or 30 or 40. I just so happen to be in the perimenopausal stage of life myself, so much of this series focuses on what happens during the transition before, during, and after menopause. Today is a fun and crazy interview with one of my greatest friends from college, Lynn Askey, who is now Lynn Jutronich. Uh, We've reconnected, actually, at various times over the past 30 years since college. I can't believe it's been 30 years. About random things, you know, like menopause and getting attacked by a great white shark. Yeah, those kind of random things. Uh Uh-huh, you heard that right. Uh, Two months ago, Lynn was doing an open water swim in Del Mar down by San Diego. It's a workout she's done countless times uh, who, because she still loves and enjoys swimming in her life. And she, it's a workout she did on the same course. She always swims. Only this time, she encountered one of our greatest fears, probably because many of us listening grew up when Jaws came out. Yeah, a great white shark. So Lynn today shares that story. But we don't get to it until we thoroughly dissect a whole bunch of other crap, including our sordid drinking past, uh, perimenopause, depression, anxiety, motherhood, and lots more. Lynn's fun and funny and super open. She has one of the greatest laughs you will ever hear. It's the same as it always was, and in many ways, You know, she's different, but still the same person deep down that I connected with back at Yale University in the early 90s. So this episode is clearly chock full of cool stuff. Um, Also note that in college, I was often referred to as Molzy or Molzan or Molzani. My maiden name is Molzan. So don't think Lynn is crazy and confused if those nicknames come out. Anyway, um, before we get started, I owe a huge thanks to my sponsor, Inside Tracker, for supporting this episode and supporting all women as we navigate this crazy hormonal journey. In case you haven't tuned in before, I've spoken a lot about Inside Tracker. I'll, I'll give you the lowdown. I found Inside Tracker when I was Googling how to get personalized blood work drawn from my home based on what I wanted to analyze without a visit to the doctor. I wasn't even sure if it was possible to do this, but not only does Inside Tracker offer exactly what I was looking for, they have a slew of different blood work options that I didn't even consider, uh, some of which felt perfectly targeted to me as a 50 year old athlete. It was it was a cool find, in other words. So in a nutshell, 
this series is all about being an advocate for your own health, and Inside Tracker is the perfect partner to help us do that. If you have questions about the service, please reach out anytime to me or to Inside Tracker. They're great and they get back quickly. And if you're ready to learn more about yourself and play along with me on this health journey, you can get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. You just have to go to insidetracker.com forward, forward slash run this world. That's insidetracker.com forward slash run this world. And yes, my brain's not working the same these days, and that's a sign of perimenopause. So bear with me, everybody. Whew. All right. Your wait is over. I'm so excited to introduce you to one of my favorite people, Lynn Askey Jutronich. Hold on. I might, your pods weren't working, so I had to go back onto. Okay. The no phone. problem. So many, so many first world problems. I know. And look, I can see the top of your head and your. Uh, and up my nose. It's the best. I get my. No bats in the cave. Now, and it is. It is the best thing in the entire world. Like, I tell everybody they should do it. I love it so much. Wait, for what? Well, okay. So, first of all, even though my hair is blonde in most places, like, I still, they still stick out. So, the first time I did it, it was because I was like, I was constantly plucking my nose hairs. Wait, and that wait. was painful and it took a long time. And then I found out that European Wax Center does a nose hair wax. So, I was like, let's give it a go. First of all, it was not nearly as painful as you think it would be. It's not. It took like, it takes like, I don't know, like five minutes and then it's all gone. And then I have like really narrow nostrils. And so I can, I can breathe so much better when it's gone, like so much better. So yes, I, I tell everyone getting a nose hair wax is life changing. This is, this, this is my excitement these days. Can well, you hear me okay? Oh yeah, you're awesome. And like this episode might have to be titled like Life Hacks by Lynn Oh my gosh, I have so many. Who I think of you as Lynn Askey. That, yeah. But you're not I, Lynn um, I tell my, my um, I have people, my friends actually come to me. Like Nikki, actually, Nikki Kohlhoff loves it because I've given her, like, I definitely, I've, I, I, it goes to the saying of like, if you want something done, give it to a lazy, smart person <laughs> because they'll find the best way to do it in the, that'll be the most efficient way too. And I'm like, oh, I, I am that lazy, smart person. I am totally that lazy, smart person. You're welcome. It's <laughs> my calling in life. Oh my gosh. How can everyone reach you? We're rolling. We're Oh, we are. We're just going to roll. Uh, well, let's see. Shall I give up my my junk email address that I've had with AOL? Like people yes. are like, that still exists um, forever. Yeah. Or should I? Uh, yeah, I'll give you that one. Not my personal because I have another one that I keep. Here's another life hack. People know this already for like important stuff, right? So that I don't, I never give it out where I can get spam. Yes. Um, so I'm going to give you my, my one I, that I check regularly, but, um, but, uh, but it's not my like best one. It's, uh, it's my lab. It's still ASCII Lynn. A is an apple. S is Sam. K E Y L Y N as a Nancy at AOL.com. First email address I ever had. Um, you and my dad are keeping a live <laughs> so funny. Oh my God, I love it. So the first thing we needed to get off the table was, you know, when you're on Zoom and the camera's going straight up your nose, now we've got a, a hack for that, the nose hair yes. wax. And you can get one probably anywhere locally that's like a, a studio, right? 
Yeah, well, I the European Wax Center is a chain, and so they're like always a bit. So because I like to do, I still like to do things on the spur of the moment. So even though I get this done regularly, they're they're always like, "Do you want to set your next appointment?" I'm like, "No, no, that's wait. Like, no, I'll call you on the day that I want it done, and we'll we'll do it that way." So that's nice because they're big enough to do that, um, and it's fifteen bucks. They might have raised it in 2023, but so and it lasts like six weeks. So totally worth it. Oh my gosh. Totally, totally worth it. You know, here's what I love about you and always have from the first day I met you, which I can't actually remember the first day I met you. You might. Your memory may be more intact, but you are open. You just, you aren't afraid to share the stuff that for some people is like way too embarrassing to ever talk about. They would never go there. You have always been this way. And I'm so glad you still are or else we wouldn't be having this conversation. (laughs) to share all these amazing life hacks and much deeper things today. So yes. cool. Do you remember the day we first? I don't remember the first day. I was actually like, and I couldn't access the Google Doc, by the way. Uh, you have to give me permission on my Gmail. Oh, okay. But um, I was just thinking about our memories in general. And the first the first one that came up that are like, that I, that I would want to mention on a podcast, maybe like between you and me, like, um, We'll mention the other ones, but um, the first is that my kids started playing the penis game a couple of years ago. And I remember you and I would just own own that game. Do you remember? Do you remember that? We probably totally. might have to explain to your audience what that is. <laughs> well, I first of all, I was laughing because when I was pulling up the screen to talk to you, you know, I have a microphone, but yeah. it always just looks like the tip of a penis. It's so, crazy. <laughs> Well, it's a very large neon yellow penis, well, but yes, I see now. Now I won't be able to unsee that. Thank you very much. Good sometimes job. I change the <laughs> color of it. Well, now it's a mug. <laughs> um, so the penis game, as you remember, is where you walk up to your friend, and you're usually you have to be like in a loud, crowded place or a place where you you know you don't want to do this, and you go like penis, and then the person has to say it louder. Then you did. So you can go like penis and then it, 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 it eventually escalates. And the person that quote wins is the person that yell, like literally screams it at the top of their lungs. And I remember doing it in like common. Um, I don't think we ever did it in class. I think that's a, a line we didn't cross, but everywhere else we were, I would, you or I would just walk up to the other one and be like, penis. and so my kids started doing it. But what they didn't realize when they were trying to do it to me that I was like, oh, yeah, I will win this game and I have no shame whatsoever. <laughs> so they don't play it with me anymore. But <laughs> oh my God, that's so great. You know, you were just like always up for anything. And I was a, I was looking back doing extremely unhealthy behaviors in college, oh, but yeah, justifying totally. them. And, yeah, you and me both. And I tell people, again, I don't hide that part of my life like. I, I, sorry if I cut you off, but you're, you go and then I'll go. You go, I go, you go, oh, I go. It's just, sometimes I do still feel a little bit raw about some of the stuff. And part of it is that I don't remember some of it because I was such a blackout drinker. And most yeah. of, you know, most of our fun, of course, involved copious amounts of alcohol. And so there's part of me that's like, I kind of don't ever want to uncover some of the things that may have happened in college. So yeah, that's the part I think that feels raw. The fun stuff was so fucking fun. 
Like, yeah. and you were just wrapped up in that fun bubble where it didn't have dire consequences. Like we didn't end up in jail. You know, we didn't uh, contract HIV. You know, we didn't like have some of the things that could Possible, have happened. real yeah. consequences. No, I thought totally. about, so I dropped my son, my freshman, my 15 year old son off at a party at uh, a friend's house that I knew that they weren't going to have like a party party, but they're, you know, they're 50. I, I, I started drinking at 14. I think you probably did too and doing things I shouldn't have been doing. And I dropped him off and I was like, what was I doing for my 15-year-old New Year's Eve? And I'm like, fuck, I, I actually don't want to, like I thought, and I'm okay. Like I'm, I, unlike you, I only blacked out once or twice in my entire life. So like that's good and bad all at the same time. So I remember every little cringy, dangerous, poor choice that I made. So, and then I think about it, I'm like, oh my gosh. And it's more, for me, it's more, again, the danger aspect with when I think about it with my kids. Um, I do think, again, that it's, for, for many people, uh, it's a, part, a point of growing up and testing boundaries. And many people can drink responsibly, right? Again, they're not supposed to do it right now because they're under 21. But like, I also get like, that doesn't mean anything, right? Like, so, and I don't know if you know this, but I stopped drinking as well. I stopped drinking about 10 years ago. So, uh, and I, but I still will have, I can have a glass of wine once in a while and I'm totally fine with it. Like, and I'm, uh, it's not a problem, but I honestly choose not to one, because I'm very happy where my life is. I don't, uh, I don't, I don't, I know I wouldn't go back to getting binge drunk because also with getting older, you just feel kind of crappy all the time. Right. And I'm like, why would I want to exasperate that crappy feeling? And then I'm also incredibly, I don't, I don't need to do it. And, and I'm, so I take medication for anxiety, which I think led was a lot of my problem was that I was self-medicating. So now that I'm in a good spot between medication, exercise, and add a different, like kind of life attitude, um, I don't feel the need to drink. And so even socially drinking, like once in a while, I'll be like, oh, a glass of wine would taste nice. And it does. And I'm happy with one and, and I'm done. So. And I also, again, I take medication that I shouldn't be, should I shouldn't really be drinking on a ton anyway. So that's, it's always, a, and that's a good excuse, right? When people are like, no, come on, just have a beer with me or just one glass of wine. Oh, this is so good. You have to try it, right? I'm sure you get it, right? And then, uh, and then I'm always like, no, I take a lot of medication that, that interferes with alcohol. And then after that, they don't, they don't push anymore, right? Yeah. You know, I wasn't going to like, make drinking a, the beginning of but I kind of think we need to dissect this a little bit because I was like oh we'll just kind of catch up a little bit with some college memories well duh that was like yeah. the, that was at the center of all of them most of them except for the penis game which actually that was probably all wrapped up in the drinking tip no oh. no we did that sober we did that completely sober like again middle of commons lunchtime out on the street where you know wherever <laughs> I love it I love it well, and it's funny because we did connect before the most recent um, episode experience you've been going through. We connected maybe six months ago or a year ago about menopause and perimenopause oh, and yes, like what yes. you were going through. And one of the things you said is, you know, that 10 years ago you stopped self-medicating. And, yeah. um, and I was like, oh, cool. She's another like sober nerd like me. But then I was like, I wonder, Lynn, if you went like cold turkey or how did you stop drinking? How did you recognize that you needed to stop? 
how did you stop? And then how did you like kind of merge the new you? Because that was a big part of your identity too, like me. Yes. Yeah. No. And again, when I've watched your stuff, I'm like, totally relate, totally relate, totally relate. Like, that's why, you know. Um, so I was just, I was 40 and I was still binge drinking and I was still making poor choices. I was smoking like a lot. Right. Um, and those two went hand in hand, right? Like, wait, so wait, I pause, knew. pause, smoking. I know. Then you picked that you had like a cigarette well, or two in I college. Think you you ever did really, but like a lot of us socially smoked. Maybe I don't. Maybe not you, but there were even you know even like really good people on the swim team would occasionally have a cigarette, especially out of season. Maybe not in season. Um, and I remember smoking was much more prevalent prevalent then. And my parents smoked, and you know, yeah, bringing everyone in Erie, Pennsylvania. Oh, I'm in Erie, and I'm like, oh, will the people hear me that I'm talking about them? But they won't because I'm in my, my mother's house. But uh, but it was just, and then, like I said, it just kind of got more and more. And I wasn't, I wouldn't smoke if I wasn't drinking. But but then when I would drink, I would smoke like a pack or two of cigarettes. And I was like, this is horrible, right? So, um, so it, at some point, you know, after like, I just, there were a couple nights where I was just like, this, this has to stop. And, and, uh, and it, and it did. And so, and I hadn't been drinking. I still was, again, it was mostly the binge drinking, but I didn't drink every day. Um, but so I drank maybe like two nights a week, maybe three. Like I, I always, even back in my twenties and thirties, I had to take a day off after because I felt so horrible and hungover. So it just, you know, I'm still 40. And as I, as I tell people, I was like, I was still like that bridesmaid. Right. So, and, and I had three young kids and, and I was, again, this is, it was just so bad all around mentally, uh, physically on my body, like the whole thing. And as I said before, I also, you know, I've been dealing with anxiety and mental health issues pretty much my whole life. Like now that I look back on it. Um, and at that point I was like, okay, I need to, I need to be a grown up at this. I know I have to be a grown up. And the only way I can, I can be a grown up is to stop drinking and to get mental health help to figure out, not to even figure out, but like get me on stuff, including therapy that will prevent me from self-medicating. So did you know, like going back all the way back in the day, did you know in college that you had anxiety and depression at some level? Yeah, totally. It was, it went back to high school. I was actually diagnosed, um, diagnosed with it in high school. I don't, I don't know if you remember this. And again, I do tell people this, I'm cautious about it, maybe edit it out, but, um, but I had a suicide attempt when I was in high school. Okay. And, uh, clearly not successful. So, but I, and after, right after it happened, um, I, we started it, but I wasn't 17 and I wasn't mature enough to like kind of deal with it at that point. So it was on medication and then I wasn't, and then I went to college and then again, like the drinking just kind of started. And then, you know, we're all, and I read an article that, you know, people at schools like Yale or kind of the upper echelon, we put so much pressure on ourselves. And then I've also heard that like you, we do everything 100%. I might be quoting you. This might be a, a factor of putting the author back to it. But if, if it was great, if not, here's something new that like, including like drinking, 
So like I was going to be, we all wanted to be the best in school, the best swimmer, the best this, the best this. So like, damn it, I was going to be the best drinker too, right? Yes. So, um, and I do have to say like, and my, some of this might be age, but I also think it's the medication and the therapy is that I am definitely so much less, not motivated, like I still like to do stuff, but like I don't have that killer mentality anymore. And sometimes I, I miss it, but then a lot of times I don't. Um, so I'm, I'm relating big time. It, it pushes you to be, to, to be amazing. Right. And to just like, like kill at everything you do, but it comes with a cost. Hey friends, quick break to share an awesome offer from our sponsor inside tracker. This series is all about health. It's about prioritizing our personal wellness at every stage of life. Because let's face it, when our physical health is not optimal, everything else starts to fall apart. Remember when my back, my broken back started to get bad and I was eventually just slowly relegated to the couch and standing for 10 minutes and Yeah, I started to get depressed. I mean, this is what happens when our bodies are not obeying us. And the more we can learn about them from the inside out, the better off we're going to be. Inside Tracker makes it easy for you to analyze your body with convenient local or mobile, like at your home, blood draw services. They give you an expert analysis of your biomarkers and suggestions on how to improve them so that you can be the healthiest person you can be in body and, of course, in your mind. So be sure to take advantage of our offer from Inside Tracker to be the best advocate for your own health that you can be. For a limited time, Run This World listeners get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. So visit insidetracker.com forward slash run this world. Make sure you go there. Then they'll know that you found them through me. And if you have any questions, I am here for you. Just email Nicole at NicoleDeBoom.com. I'll get back to you. All right, everybody. That's it for now. Let's get back to the show. So you're feeling your need to drive, drive, drive start to change, but this is looking back the time when your perimenopause symptoms started. So we're transitioning into perimenopause now and like what your story is there, because when I sent out an email to my, you know, list and said, hey, I am having these symptoms. I'm thinking about taking this stuff. What do you think? your email came back in and you were like, I actually think I have something to share today. Yes. I have been through perimenopause big time and I'm assuming menopause now, mm-hmm. like you're postmenopausal. Okay. So let's, let's do this. <laughs> um, let's talk about when Perry started and what your symptoms were. Um, So Sabrina, I was 37, turning 38 when Sabrina was born. And I just never kind of, after she was born, I just never kind of felt right again. The first thing that happened, and I don't know if this was perimenopause, but I think it might've been, it might've been the start of it, um, was that I I developed this rash. (laughs) It was, and I'd had it with my other two children, but not as bad. And it was mostly on my breast. And it was so bad that I would like scratch in the middle of the night. I was making like, scratches and scars like it was 
And it was, and it itched so, 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 so bad. Um, then it spread to my chest and back. And then I went to several doctors, uh, uh, including, uh, and this was a, a fun doctor story too, is I went into one dermatologist and I had my, um, you know, just the hospital get on and he'd started to take a look at it and he goes, Ooh, do you mind if I call some of my, my colleagues in to look at this? I'm like, fuck, whatever. Yes. I'm that person that he's like, Oh, look at this weird skin case that we have. So they all came in and looked at it and nobody could figure out what was going on, except that they just thought it was potentially hormonal. Right. Um, and, uh, it finally just went away. There was nothing that we could do. Like I took, I, I tried a whole bunch of stuff and it, lessened it but it was never great and then finally it felt like it was a year and a half later it abated and then after that periodically i would still get the itchy breasts and i still do um but not nearly as bad as it was then so that was again now now I'm, I, I feel like again i'm in my early 40s so um the one the, the thing i remember the most is i got a lot of facial hair now again blonde and fuzzy but more than i'd ever had like and it was literally like overnight i looked in the mirror i'm like what what what's going on here so again you don't really think of this you don't put two and two together um then my so i was still drinking no i wasn't drinking at this time so um you know, they measure your estrogen every year when you go to your OBGYN appointment and everything was normal. It was on the low side, but it kind of always had been, you know, yada, yada, yada. So the facial hair was the first thing. And then my period stopped and I was tracking it. It went, you know, I went from being every four weeks to every six weeks, then maybe two weeks, then maybe three months, then, mm -hmm. you know, just all over the place. I was like, I was like that little tracker on my phone was, was getting a, getting, getting a good workout. It also yeah. was like, your average site, you're like, you will have 273 days until your next period. And I'm like, yeah, or tomorrow. Like, we don't know. Right. You know, <laughs> could, be, could be anytime. So that started happening. And then the, the last thing, oh, and then I did have, I had like night sweats. I never had hot flashes, but I had the night sweats. Mm -hmm. Um, my OBGYN recommended black cohosh. I took that. I took Estraven, you know, that okay. over the counter supplement yep. for a while. That seemed to help. But the kicker was once my period had been gone for, a fair amount of time. I can't remember exactly how, how much um, I got. And I was on medication and I wasn't drinking and I was seeing a therapist. I got like severely depressed. And I knew what it was because I had that in my past before where it was just uncontrollable and crying and couldn't get out of bed and everything like that. And I'm like, I'm, it's definitely hormonal, like something's going on. So I went to my, my OBGYN. And at that point, again, I don't remember exactly when this was i think i was around 45 and she goes okay well you have zero estrogen in your body so or like zero so she's like so definitely let's put you on and you're young right so let's put you on some hrt and at this point we didn't know i had any um his familial history of blood clots or any um contraindications of why i should be on hrt right um, so I went on it and it took about a month to kick in. And then after that, I was like, okay, back to my old self. And it was amazing. I, I felt so good. So I, I had to take, I took estrogen, progesterone because I still have my uterus. Um, and that's, so if you don't have your uterus, then you can just take estrogen. But if you do, you have to take the progesterone to balance it out. 
Right. Um, so I was taking that daily and um, felt great. I, I really did. I had a, a couple years there between like 45 and the pandemic. <laughs> Four, so 48-ish, 45 to 47, where I'd like felt the best that I've ever been in my life. Like I was in shape. I was, I was like thin without trying to be thin, but in a good way, not like, you know, like it was like, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So were you swimming a lot at that time? No, I've always, I've been up and down because, um, with the kids schedules, you know, with having three yeah. kids and they're all heavily involved in sports. Uh, and I like, I much preferred, preferred swimming in the ocean to a pool because it's much more exciting. Um, uh -huh. so to be able to do that, you have to have at least one other person, preferably a group. So I was having a hard time um, swimming in the ocean due to my kids' sports schedules. So like I mean, there was an eight o'clock Sunday morning group that I really liked to go to. Um, but invariably, one of my boys would have a baseball game or Sabrina would have soccer practice or rugby or whatever it was. It was um, so I would go when I could, but it wasn't um, right. It was regular. Like and then but then there would come a time that like when they were off baseball where I was like coming every week. So. Uh, it was just kind of, I was, again, everything around my kids' schedules, right? Right. So, okay, we're going to move into a new topic in a minute, but I really want to, I want to put like a little wrap up on, on your menopause journey because that's what this series is about. We just yes. happen to connect <laughs> on a few other things too. Um, and did you feel like was there ever a time when you felt like you were crazy and you didn't know what was going on with you? Or were you just... Oh, yes. Okay. No, but uh, it was more uh, frustration because I kind of knew and nobody would believe me. And it happens, happened to a couple friends. I forgot one thing I was going to tell you is I also had random heart issues. Um, okay. I told my doctor, I said, it feels like my like it was like pounding. It was erratic. And it was way faster than it had ever been. Um, and I told my doctor that it was like, have you ever put your tennis shoe in the dryer? Like you wash your, your sneakers and then you put them in the dryer. They go thump, 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 all around. I don't know if you've ever done it, but people have done it. Well, no, they'll be like, oh yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. That, that's what my heart felt like. And so I did end up seeing, like I got EKGs. I wore the little thing mm -hmm. and all of that stuff. And at the end of the day, the cardiologist was like, yeah, we don't know why it's doing this, but it's not dangerous. So you're, we're done here. And I was like, okay, so I, I just, this is just how I feel now. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, oh and God. So, and that also happened. I also had vaginal, I had prolapse. And my OBGYN was better about it, like in telling me that there can be stuff that can be done, but she wanted me to try the tables first and and like lots of other stuff. But it was the same Wait, thing. literally like, nope, every doctor, just, they just right start with Sprina, like, yeah, they're like, do um, kegels, go. Just kegels, yeah. kegels will solve it all. It never yeah. totally solves it all. No, yeah. So, um, <laughs> so between the prolapse and the weird heart thing, where doctors were like, "Kind of sorry, you're just kind of getting older, and these things happen with menopause, and good luck with that." Right? <laughs> so oh. then the heart stuff, um, it lasted a, a couple months, and then it it went away, and now my heart rate is normal. And because my pulse before, even without exercising, my pulse has always been between like fifty five and sixty five resting. Yeah. And uh, and it would it was up like at like 80 to 100. But yeah. then the doctor was like, yeah, but you're still within the normal limits. So and I'm like, but it feels to me, this is not normal. He's like, well, but again, he was like, there's nothing wrong. You yeah. just have to live with it. 
Um, so it did eventually, the, the pounding stopped, the weird, oh, they found out that I had like a, an arrhythmia, but it, again, not dangerous. Mm -hmm. um, and then the fast heart. So then it went back to, again, now my heart rate is around 60 resting. And I don't know, again, if that's because of, I don't know. I, I think a lot of this stuff is related to menopause. And either the doctors, I'm hesitant to say don't believe it because I, I don't want to throw all doctors in the same thing. And that's, that's not what I'm right. Like once they figure out that you're not going to die from it, it's not a concern anymore, right? And yeah. they don't feel like if there's anything they can do, they're, again, it's just kind of like, sorry, you're, you know, here's and some doctor, again, my OBGYN tried to give me other tips and then for the prolapse and this and that. But, um, um, but yeah, so definitely, I didn't think I was crazy. I just was like, this sucks. That's, that's what it was because I was pretty sure it, it all had to do with menopause. And then I was like, but I honestly don't think there's anything I can do about it. Right. Well, and what everybody kept saying, there wasn't anything you can do about it. Exercise, eat healthy, you know, yeah. self-care. Yeah. I mean, at, that, at the, you know, at the end of the day, those are probably the most important, but we're learning that there are more things you can do. And what really yeah. struck me about your story is how young you were and how yes. so many women, if you're 38, 39, even 40, going in and saying, I think I'm having menopause symptoms. A lot of doctors out there, and I'm not kidding because I've heard this from people, say, you can't be, you're not 50, you're not old enough to yeah. be experiencing menopause or menopause symptoms. And that's bullshit. You yeah. are, and you can, and you can blame pretty much everything on it once you get to this age and stage. Yeah. I mean, all that stuff was just not random. It was probably tied to your body changing and your estrogen levels changing, your hormones changing. Yeah. Crazy. So what advice do you have for women who, you know, could be in the position you were? Well, definitely. And this is what I told you, too, is to go to your doctor and get your blood levels checked. Right. Um, because that's the first thing. And then they can compare them again to your hopefully you have a history with that you've had your blood levels checked before. Again, I love my OBGYN. It's great. So she was she was very helpful. Um, for me, medication at the time was a great option. Now we're going to get into why I'm now off of it. Um, mm -hmm. but for me, it was, it was just, it was a game changer and I, I could not, the way I was, and I was already on, uh, Lexapro. So a lot of times they'll put you on an antidepressant, right? First before hormone, but I was already on that. So then it was like, okay, well, we're going to go straight to the HRT because you've already, you're already on the antidepressant and you're still having these depression symptoms, right? Um, so I would say, again, work fine. Uh, if you don't have a great relationship with your OBGYN, find one that you do. And at the very least, just start with blood work and, uh, and talk about, um, and talk about alternatives again, whether HRT is right for you or natural. Like I said, the, est the estrogen seemed to help with the night sweats. And I can't remember what are the other symptoms I had, but, um, maybe mood swings, but the only thing that helped with the depression was the HRT. Um, okay, what did you end huge. up doing? That's huge. I ended up doing nothing yet. Okay. So what happened with me is I started considering, you you know, starting HRT in like May, I think, of last year. But then my back, my spine hit the wall. I started having worse and worse symptoms, ended up having spinal fusion a year ago. And I was like, 
I'm not even going to start this because this other thing is trumping it. And that happens, a lot, I think, a lot in our lives. Like you can yeah. have something wrong, but something else is worse. So yes, the thing that was originally wrong, you don't even notice anymore. And it was interesting, though, too, because I told my doctor I was considering taking HRT. And they said, well, I would hold off because we we make our patients go off of it before a big surgery like this. And, you know, I yeah. have spinal fusion. That was kind of a big surgery. And I was thinking, God, that could really screw with people. They go through a big, huge surgery and then you take them off the thing that's keeping them sane. But um, so I'm sure people listening are probably going through that same issue. I I didn't need to go off of it in order to do the surgery. But okay. I think I would recommend people who who are in that position to really push their doctor and say, why do I have to go off of this? Because I don't want to go crazy when I'm already going to go crazy from a surgery, like yeah. double crazy, you know? Yeah. So well, yeah. every year I talk to her, by the way, because I was like, you know, I, even though I am pro-medication, I guess, like I had, or if it's yeah, right for yeah. you, like it right. not be right for everybody. Yes. But I, at some point I was like, when can I stop? Like, I just take a lot of pills. So when can I, and at some point I can stop the HRT. So when can I stop? And she would always be like, you're still kind of young. Let's, let's keep you on it. Um. So, so I'm going to tell you the pestery story and then we'll go into the the yeah, again yeah. now why I'm off HRT. Right, 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 right. Okay. So if 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 you're if if people don't know, they can look it up. It's P-E-S-S-A-R-Y. And it's one of those, like again, people don't tell before childbirth, I was really scared because they don't nobody tells you kind of what childbirth is like. And I think that's because it's different for every person. So they don't want you to have a preconceived notion. But to me that was terrifying. Right. And this was, I mean, it was back in 2005. So we, we have more, there's probably a lot more resources now. But I remember thinking, like, I don't like going into situations where I don't know some, what's going to happen. Right. Like right. how it's going to play out. And, uh, and childbirth was one of those things. So this is another thing that, that again, I find out that a ton of women have the same problem and people just don't talk about it. So I'm going to talk about it. So, um, so like I said, right after Sabrina was born, um, I, I probably got up too soon anyway, but it doesn't matter. I, was, I, I distinctly remember this. I was folding laundry on my bed and I'd had three vaginal deliveries. Um, and uh, I just felt something like kind of like fall out of my vagina. And I would not like all the way out, but I was like, and it felt like, um, you know, if you ever wore tampons and sometimes a tampon would come like half out. Hate that. And you're then you're, but you're in a place where you couldn't go to the bathroom and fix it. So you're just like, oh, I just have to live with this until I can uh -huh. get to a place where I can take it out or push that thing back up in. So it like felt like that. I was like, huh. So I went into the bathroom and like got a mirror and then I spread eagle and lay down and I saw it looked like a little red water balloon, like coming out of my vagina, like halfway out. Right. And I was like, what? So. I quickly oh Googled, I won't, I'll never forget this either. I quickly Googled water balloon in life. <laughs> I'm sure you got some good websites. Yes, I probably got. And then that's where I found out. I was like, oh my gosh, this is apparently a really common thing. And they're like, it's called prolapse and this and that. And, and I think that this was, it was an evening or a weekend because that's when these things happen, right? They don't happen in the middle of the day when you can call your doctor. Right. right. So, but as soon as I could, I called my doctor and I said, hey, this, this thing happened. What should we do? And she's like, well, you know, you'll, you just had a baby, so I'll see you. It's, you know, it does happen. It is common. Do your kegels, right? 
Oh God. Lie down. Oh, that was the other thing. She told me you got to lie down um, more than you have. Then you, it sounds like you've been on your feet a lot. So that was where I, then I was like on, then I lay down because it was a really uncomfortable feeling. Right. So I, I lay down a lot because I didn't want it to call, come completely out. <laughs> and at this point, I didn't know what it was. It was because it can be your bladder. It can be your rectum. It can be your uterus. It can be oh like a whole God. bunch of different things. So, um, so then I went in to see her at the six weeks appointment afterward. And she was like, oh, yeah, there it is. Um, and then also my pubic bone had split. But wait, so you, you just had to hang out with the water balloon between your in your vagina, like half hanging. Yeah. Out. Like and again, I could kind of push it back up with my fingers. Like, wow. there wasn't, like you said, it was just sticking out just a little bit. So uh, it was it didn't that's so it was just this weird feeling. Right. You know, there is this whole trade, at least we saw a show in Thailand when we were there years and oh. years ago, <laughs> of people who blow stuff out their Pick vaginas. Yes. They throw they throw darts and hit ball water balloons and all kinds oh. of stuff. Isn't that funny? Oh, my God. So, yeah, fortunately, you didn't develop yours into that trade. You, really? you, you got it fixed. Well, I didn't at the time. And she said it would, it would as my body healed from delivery that it would get bigger. And then I went to go see a, a physical therapist because again, one of the things that happened with Sabrina was that my, my pubic bone separated, which again, wasn't painful, but it, may, it meant that I couldn't move my legs at the same time in certain things. So like if I was lying on the bed and I wanted to roll over to one side, like one leg would go and then the other leg would stay <laughs> where it was unless I physically moved it with my hand. So, um, so, and again, pubic bone separation is also apparently common in pregnancy. Even if you didn't, don't gain, I only gained 10 pounds with Sabrina. So I did not gain weight with any of my pregnancies. It was like 10 to 15 pounds tops. It was not from any, like, yeah. whatever. But so, so she, um, so I did, went to physical therapy to fix that and the prolapse. So I was going like three times a week and doing not only kegels, but like exercises for the pubic bone. So this is again, this is 12 years ago because Sabrina's, turning 13 in February. Um, but it never, so it got way better, but it never kind of went away. It did get to the point where I didn't feel it all the time. But when I could, when I bore down, then I could feel that things just weren't, you know, as tight. Now, over the past couple of years, however, since I, since I, like 49 or 50, and the pandemic also messed a bunch of stuff up too, right? So, right, right. Yeah, I started feeling it more. And then like, my lower abdomen muscles, just literally like, again, one day I woke up and I'm like, oh, I can't like really flex those muscles anymore. Like what's, what's going on? Um, so I went back to my OBGYN and I said, my prolapse is getting a lot worse. Like, what can we do about this? Because this is unacceptable. <laughs> this is not, this is not, this is not happening. And my mother who hopefully is listening, my mother actually two years ago got her vagina sewn up. Because, oh, so this is another thing. It runs in families. And my mother went through menopause at 40. Because then I asked her when I started going through it. Yeah. My doctor's like, when did your mother go through it? So I called her. She's like, oh, around 40. I'm like, oh, okay. So it's early uh, runs yep. in the family. Um, and prolapse does too. My sister also has it and has now has a pessary. But my mother, like, finally, like, two years ago, was like, just screw this. And Sew that thing up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, wow. So. So. What the is last a pessary? appointment? Um, yeah. Uh, then I went in and we talked about a pessary, which is like this, um, like a little trampoline, and it's pink and it's rubber and it looks it looks like a sex toy. It honestly looks like a sex toy, 
and it's round and you have to be fitted for it for like how big your cervix is or your vaginal opening. Um, so she did that when we were there and she was like, okay. And then, so it basically you put it up there and it's a, a, a plastic ring with like a very thin layer of, I don't know, latex, saran wrap, something, something like that. Okay, yeah. But, but, but durable. And it, you put it up there and it holds everything that was coming down and out up in place where it's supposed to be. So, so you put it in or the doctor puts it in? Well, the first time, so she had, this is the funny story. So the, first, the, the doctor teaches you how to put it in and there's different sizes and shapes and things. And she said, this is the one I like the best. So I said, okay, let's go for it. So she inserted it so that I could feel what it's supposed to feel like. I'm like, okay. And then she's like, okay, I'm going to let you try to get it out. I'm going to leave the room because, you know, you have to, because you have to take it out. If you, for sex, you have to take it out because it's like, you know, just, it's like a little shield down there. Um, and every couple months you're supposed to, if you're not having sex, you're at least supposed to take it out and wash it, make sure everything's okay. So she left the room and I was like contorting into, cause it's like up there. Right. And I have a fairly yeah. long torso or that area. And I, at one point I was laughing cause I, I, I feel like I'd like one actually she Okay. So she came back in the room and she's like, did you, were you successful? I'm like, oh. <laughs> it's like I can't even. I'm like, I think that thing's just going to have to live there because she's like, no, 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 you can do it. You can work on it. So she stayed in there and she was like, so when I tried to get it out and so I literally at one point had my leg up on the, the table, I had like both hands, like I was bending down and I had like both hands up there. And then also note, she had put lube on it to get it in. So it was slippery. So, and she's like cheering me on, right? She's like, oh my <laughs> And at one point, like, again, I have both hands up. I'm on one leg on the table. Like, I'm all contorted. And I'm trying to grab this thing. And I'm like, oh, and I'm like sweating. And I just burst out into laughter. And she, and she did too. I go, this is just so ridiculous. She goes, oh, the joys of being a woman. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I did, so I did finally get it out. But again, it's really slippery. And the ring, you fold it so that it's like a taco kind of. Um, but, but the ring is, is, hard to bend so i had it she's like okay now you have to see if you can get it back in i'm like okay so like i go to bend it and the thing literally just flies across the room like the snail in in pretty woman like oh, probably hits one of the walls and again we're my own joanne and i are both laughing and um, I, i'm just thinking i'm like this is just this is just it is what it is so anyway I finally got it back in. I got, now I can take it in and out myself. It's still like an ordeal. Like it's still not pleasant. So um, with Chopra, I'm like, okay, we have to like, this is something we can't, we can't like, just know that this isn't as easy as it's going to be because I'm going to have to take this thing out. Um, and I found that, and she told me that this is true, that doing it laying down is easier than trying to do it standing up with one leg on the table. And in the bath, it's easier. Like if you're in a bath full of water, it's easier. But, um, but it definitely, once it's in there, like now I feel totally fine. Like it feels great. Um, man, modern medicine, but they sure don't make it easy for us sometimes, but it's helping surgery and, but it's not, she's like, you're not at the level where insurance would deem it necessary. Plus you have to try the pessary first. So I'm like, okay, as long as this works, I'm cool with it. Right. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. Which is nice. So. So pessary, pessary hacks. 
I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pestery hacks, and again, be patient. It isn't. It isn't easy, but and again, there are things for prolapse. So again, if there's any women out there that are like, oh, I sometimes feel like I have a tampon half coming out of my vagina, and I don't have a tampon in. So it's prolapsed. And again, it can be, it's not even your entire uterus coming out. Like I said, mine's more that the walls have kind of given in. And so just kind of, I told, okay, I told Chopper, it's like, you know, those toys, they're full of water and they like slip, like you hold them and they slip through your hands and you have to try to catch it. And uh, it's like a, again, like a latex type of thing. That's what, what my vaginal canal feels like. (laughs) And I go, things are outside that are not supposed to be outside. So that's so sexy. Oh God, those toys so, are so phallic. So sexy. Too, it is. It is. But you know what? Reality is not always sexy, but we're, we're sexifying it. I love it. Yeah. So, okay. So Lynn, so many, so many cool things that are connected and I'm calling them cool things. I mean, hey, yeah. prolapse is cool. We're going to turn it cool so people don't have to hide it and well, be scared yeah. to talk about it. Um, but I, what I want to, what I want to move to is, so we recently, most recently connected after I was watching the news, I think it was CNN and there was this headline, um, recent shark attack victim in Del Mar. And I was like, oh, interesting. Cause like most people, one of our greatest fears is that we're going to get in open water and be immediately attacked by a great white shark. And then we all go, oh, yeah, the odds are so low. That'll never happen to us. And then they pan over to this woman sitting in a hospital bed talking incredibly, (laughs) incredibly articulate. Yes, you looked amazing. And I was like, that is Lynn. So, you know, most of us don't know someone who's been attacked by a great white. But when we do, we need to dig in. So I immediately contacted you and... I just, I was like, we need to share this story because it led to other things. And it's crazy. It's one of those like so weird that you can't look away kind of things. So I don't want to trigger PTSD. I want you to go as far as you want to go with this, but I'm dying to get the firsthand story about what happened that day now, almost two months ago. Yeah, two months exactly on Friday. I actually celebrated with my swim partner by going in the pool, not not the ocean. Um, There's other reasons for that too, but... uh, but we'll go back. It was, it was so November 4th, 2022. It will now be like, there's certain, you know, my birth of my children, my anniversary. Um, I don't really have a, a one day sober date. Like it's just kind of around a time, uh-huh. but, um, but yeah, I will not, ne- I'll never, I'll never forget that date. And some people call it like, I'm in the space group now, now Facebook group called the bite club, which as they say, the initiation is the hardest part. Uh, uh so, um, but they say, call it like people call it. And it's not just sharks. Like it's some people have been mauled by bears. And oh my gosh, this poor woman. Today I was reading it and she'd been um, in a, she'd had to, she'd been bitten and had a, like a severe fight with a dingo, which of course, all I can think of is the dingo ate my baby. Of course. Right? I th- then I'm like, oh, this poor woman, not only was she severely attacked and mauled, but now everybody is going to look at her. And that's, that's kind of what I Did feel Did someone like. write that? I go somewhere and people yeah, know I'm like, I'm now this the shark bite lady, right? <laughs> so, so what happened? Okay. So like it, I was actually feeling really good because um, my kid's sports schedule had slowed down. Dougie is driving. I had carpools. Jason's in high school. So his practice is right after school. Like I was like, oh my gosh. So I was, so I was starting to be able to swim again. 
and I was getting into pretty good shape comparatively, not like 20 year old shape, but you know, 50 year old shape for somebody that swims periodically. And, and I wanted to lose some weight and go back to yoga. Like I was kind of on the upswing of this, 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 uh, of a period of my life after the pandemic and menopause, a friend that I'd been swimming with for about 10 years in a group. And then because we're roughly the same speed and also he had a, uh, he has a relatively open schedule during the week as well. We had taken to just going swimming, just the two of us together. So I, I call him my swim partner, which is, it's just like a running partner, but it's a swimming partner. But, um, so we met up, uh, we usually swam Friday morning. So we met up at our normal time, like around nine o'clock in Del Mar. Um, and, and I gotta say like, Chopper never really liked me. He, he never liked, cause they're this group, the group that that I swim with, there had been a fatal shark attack back in 2008. Um, then they'd all, a lot of people had been there that still swim. So that was in Solana Beach. So he, and Chopper, like I knew he never really liked that I was going in the ocean, but he knew that I love it and I love swimming. And it's, it's just not the same in a pool. Like it's just, and having, maybe not, if, if I hadn't done it for however long in my life, it might be different, but it's just so much more fun. And it was a, so, it's a social group too. We go out for breakfast afterward and it's, I don't know, a lot of people are triathletes, et cetera, et cetera, right? So he and I, um, we went out that day. There weren't a lot of surfers there um, because the water was, it was, the break was really far out. Um, it was probably about 200, 200 yards out um, from the beach, which is, and it, sometimes that just happens. Like the break can be a shore break, it can be really close to the shore, or it can be farther out, or there can be no break and it's bad surfing and nobody goes out. Um, and then the other thing was that the water conditions were really murky. So it was, uh, there was very low visibility. Again, it doesn't really bother the surfers, but there just weren't, there weren't that many, there weren't as normally as many people out as, as usual that day. Um, so we got in and we have this, we do the same route all the time. One, because it's easier to sight, right? Like, cause as you know, when you're in a big body of water, you have to kind of know where you're going, <laughs> right? Yeah. Or where you're aiming for. Um, so we did our normal path and in hindsight, and I, I told a couple people this, I didn't tell the news this because it sounds like, it sounds like made up, but it's not, but I had a bad feeling that day. And it does say looking back that a lot of people say that, like, of like that weird, like, don't get on the airplane feeling. But I have to say that like that feeling happens a lot. Because we know there are sharks in the water and the ocean is dangerous. So you, you, if, you, if you always gave in to that feeling, you would never go in the ocean, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So we went out and even during the swim, I had to stop a couple times because I felt, na I felt nausea, which was really unusual. I was like, this is weird. Like usually sometimes I have to stop because I swallow some water or I'm just tired or whatever. But I'd stop because I'm like, oh, I think I'm going to throw up. So we stopped and, and treaded water for a little bit. And then we, we would start back on our route. And I, and the other thing that happens too, but again, this happens all the time is that that day, I remember looking, breathing back and thinking that I was seeing something behind me. Right. Uh, Which I've had that feeling again, if you, if you gave into that feeling every time you have it, you'd never get in the ocean. But now like in hindsight, I'm like, oh, maybe that day there actually was something. And I kept saying to my partner, my partner has a hip replacement. So he can't and doesn't like to get hit by waves. And sometimes there's the surf break where the ocean is, 
where the surfers sit. And then, so we, regardless, we have to go past the break because we swim parallel to the shore. So you have to go past that so that you're not constantly getting hit by waves. He likes to go out even furrier because sometimes you have what are called road waves, which are waves that randomly come up that are behind the surf. Mm -hmm. So that day there were road waves. So we were out still not as far as what people normally go out and not as far as like it more than a recreational swimmer would be, but like not really that far. But uh, several times I commented to him, especially when we stopped, when I was like, I don't feel good. We have to stop. I was like, wow, we're, we're really far out. Maybe we should angle in. And we tried to, but then like a road wave would come. And then, so we ended up going back further out. We finally finished and our end point was right in front of the lifeguard tower on 17th Street in Del Mar. And there's a buoy. There's a half mile, a quarter mile buoy and a half mile buoy. And we were still a fair amount away from the quarter mile buoy. So we weren't out. We were probably, we estimate we were out between 250, 300 yards from shore and about 30 yards past the surf break. Um, we always just kind of sit there after we're done and, you know, maybe talk for a little bit, figure out if we're going to go to breakfast, um, just kind of, you know, get your heart rate down before you head in. Because a lot of times we body surf once we get into where the, the waves are, are crashing. So we're sitting there and I'm, this is going to be hard since we're on a podcast, but I'm wearing, a, we're both wearing wetsuits. And when you wear a wetsuit, you can float upright in the water with your legs bent, like you're treading water, but you don't really have to tread water. You're just kind of, you, you may have to slick your foot or your hand once in a while for balance but you're buoyant. You don't, you don't need to expend a lot of energy. So I was, we were doing that. He was facing out kind of toward the ocean and I was facing south. And we were just, I don't know, probably talking like we always like normally do. And the, I felt this just huge ram from below, literally right into my vagina. Like, right. <laughs> like, like if you're sitting, it, it was, it was, I mean, I've never felt something like that in my life, right? And and um, and it pushed me up and out of the water, not like flying, not like jaws, right? But um, enough that I could feel it. Plug my phone in, hold on. And it hurt. It hurt a lot. And I go, so I go instinctively. I just go, right? Because I I didn't know it was just a basic reaction of pain. And then literally that second, I was like oh my gosh, I'm going to get bit by a shark because that's the only thing in the ocean that would, would ram you like that. Like we see dolphins all the time and they swim with you. They will never touch you. Like they get close enough. They'll, sometimes they let, they'll get close enough where, where you could reach out and potentially touch them. But we try not to because we also know like they're still animals and if they get pissed at us, they're also big and can bump into you. But but like, there's nothing else in the ocean that is going to ram you the way that I was rammed. But it was so fast that it literally was, oh, holy shit, I'm going to get bit. Like literally like that. And then I looked down because I'm still in that kind of, like I'd gone up and then I came back down. So I was still in that sitting position and the shark's jaw was clamped on my right leg, on my thigh. So I saw it and it was also, again, this happened so quickly but these are the, the two thoughts that went through my head at that time was, okay, am I supposed to punch it? Am I supposed to go for the eye? Am I supposed to go for the gill? Because we think about, ocean swimmers think about these things all the time, right? And we're, we're told these things. So there was the thought of like, what am I supposed to do? And then the other thought was, this it was scary. It was Jaws, but I was like, oh, it's not as big as I thought it would be. It was, it was probably the size of my thigh, 
like the head and the jaw was the size of my thigh. But we're all like, we all think of like jolts, right? These enormous, great white 20 to 30 foot sharks. So still, I saw the rows of teeth. I saw the head. Weirdly, wasn't scared by that. It was more like, okay, what am I supposed to do? And it was, and I was in pain. And, and then it, and it was a pain from the bite itself. But like, again, not as bad as you would think. I don't know. The adrenaline kicked in the, the whatever. So I don't know if I ever touched it or not. The shark lab people ask me, they're like, did you, did you put punch it? Did you push it? Did you do anything? And I go, I didn't really have time. I may have done one of those, like, get off me, you know, like, kind of like what you do with your kids when they're like hanging on your leg. You're like, shoot, shoot, get away, you know, like, but I don't know if I ever made contact or not. So it let go and swam away. I also was wearing a, a shark bands at the time, which when I, so shark bands is this uh, thing you wear around your ankle that's supposed to repel sharks and other marine life like stingrays. Um, but honestly, when I got it in the, in the mail, I ordered off Amazon, it does say in tiny little print, um, does not work on great white sharks. So because of the way that they charge, so it interferes with the, the kind of the radar and the, it makes the animals feel kind of oogie, but if they're coming, the sharks, great whites rush. So it said by the time they get there, it's too late. They've already, they're already there and they're already in attack mode, but there is a chance that it is one of the reasons it it released and didn't come back. Or the other possibility, which is more likely, is that it tasted and I didn't taste what it was hoping I was a seal. Um not a seal. So right. not a cat. Um so at that point, I just yelled over to my swim partner, his name's David, and I was like, David, I've been bit. We've got to get in. I've been bit. Now he had seen the back and the fin. And he wasn't sure if it was before or after I'd been bit. But so he saw that and he was yelling to me and said, Lynn, there's a shark. We've got to get in. And I was like, I've been bit. We've got to get in. So there was a, I told him this too. There was a weird instance where he had turned and started swimming to the shore. And in my head, I was like, oh my God, he's going to leave me. And then, then he stopped. And he says, in that instance, he said he hadn't heard, he had seen the shark but didn't know I'd been bit at that instance. So as soon as he heard me yell, David, I've been bit, then he, then he came back. Then we're both like, again, the only thought, now people are like, oh, you're so brave. And I'm like, there was, there was no other choice. Like the, the, so the fight or flight kicked in and it was flight. <laughs> and so the only thought was, we've got to get to shore. We've got to get to shore. We've got to get to shore. But we didn't know where the shark was. Um, and we were a good, 250 out and uh we didn't know how injured i didn't know how injured i was so we linked arms we linked my left arm with his right arm and we went on our backs so that we could see at least the ocean behind us or we were like you know floating on our backs doing that and um he was wearing fins which is which is good normally i tease him for wearing fins because he can't keep up with me without without fins so i'm like oh you have to wear your fins but today i that day i was particularly happy because that was how we got in um and he we were backstroking with one arm um like one and i was doing it once in a while and i just remember i wasn't crying i was scared and i just kept saying david you gotta get me in you gotta get me in putting a lot of pressure on him by the way he says that he said that he almost had a, at one point he was, he was like i was going anaerobic and so we had to stop and rest because i was like otherwise we'd have two people that were 
out away. Now, here's the crazy part, and I didn't tell them this either, um, but we were trying to wave to the lifeguards, but they didn't do anything because they know we're strong swimmers and they see the swimmers all the time. And they thought that like I had a cramp or one guy, this poor guy, ugh, there was like a 20 year old lifeguard there. And he's like, I thought you guys were practicing synchronized swimming. Oh my God. What, 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 oh God, that just reminds me of that SNL sketch with the Martin Short. That's exactly what Woody said, by the way. He was like, you're not angry. You're just pointing. <laughs> hey, you, I know you. So they didn't come out. So we had to swim. We swam all the way in. And I remember when we got to the, where we could stand up, where I saw David stand up, that was when I was like, oh, thank God. And then we, we got into the shore. And then again, since the lifeguards didn't think anything was told, was completely awry, I had to like soldier crawl onto the beach, right? Because my leg was injured and I didn't know how much. I didn't want to press it. So I like kind of crawled out. And at that point, David had gotten out and had run up to them. And they came down. And then again, this poor boy, it was, a, it was a young boy and a young girl that were lifeguarding there. And this poor boy, when David said, she's been bit, he just went completely white. And it looked like he was going to throw up. And then, like, his training, which I understand from being a lifeguard, was like, you know, get, get them to safety, right? So he immediately tried to pick me up under my armpits and, like, drag me to the lifeguard tower. And I was like, ow, 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 ow. And he's like, under, and he was, he was going, oh, it was, it was, it was like, if you've seen those stretcher videos, like, where people are, like, it, like, kind of reminded me of that. So I finally was like, you have to stop. I go, you're hurting me and you can, you can assess me here. I don't have to. And I said this because I'd been a lifeguard. I'm like, I don't have to go. I'm out of the water. Like, we're, we're okay. So he just, then he just kind of dropped me. And at that point, the main lifeguard, like the head lifeguard, an older guy, this is his career, like type of thing. At this point, he'd gotten there and he took over. And so he had me stand, um, not stand, uh, like I was on my, it was, I saw the pictures. It was like a forearm plank, but I did have yeah. my left knee down, but I was holding my leg out. And he goes, okay, I'm going to cut off your, your wetsuit leg so I can have a look at this. So, and at this point I was swearing like a sailor. So still not crying. Wasn't, I was still scared, but it was more just this intensity. And this is also another part that I've, that I've only told some people because, and this is funny now that I'm okay, but there was a poor woman that was trying to meditate on the beach, like five feet from where I was. <laughs> and she was sitting cross-legged and, and like the whole thing. And I locked, and she was still after all this shine, I could tell she was still trying to meditate. And I locked eyes with her at one point. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. And she's like, it's okay. And I'm like, what? It's okay. <laughs> like, but like, and I'm like, it's okay. Like, this is so funny. Uh, um, in retrospect, it's funny. Um, so he cut off the leg, the wetsuit leg, and said, okay, you're not bleeding that much. It hasn't hit an artery. I think you're going to be okay. And at that point, I was like, uh, it was still painful, still scary, but way different, right? And I was out of the water, and we hadn't gotten attacked again. Then I said, can I put my leg down? And he goes, no, sorry, we can't, like, we can't get sand in the wound. So then I had to stay, stay with that leg raised again. So I got my core workout into, <laughs> and no one was helping you. Oh my gosh! Um, then I then they got the the little beach wheelchair thingy down, and I was able to stand up and get in the wheelchair. And then they took me to like the lifeguard headquarters, which were right there. And at that point, I believe the paramedics were also there. And then it was boom, boom, boom. After that, into the ambulance, I the um, 
I called my brother. Chopper was out of the country. He was in Ireland at this point. So I was like, don't call him. I don't like, there's nothing he, again, in my head, I'm like, there's nothing he can do. I could tell at that point, again, I hadn't looked at the wounds, but I could tell that I wasn't going to die in at any times be from sharks, right? right? Right. So I called my brother and I said, he says, I'll never forget this. Cause we, we've had, we've had a long standing, we've had incidents before where we had to call each other. And so I called him and he picked up and I, and he goes, yeah. And I go, I'm, you have to come to, to the beach and to Scripps La Jolla because I've been bit by a fucking shark and I'm not kidding. <laughs> and that was exactly what I said. And then, so he came down. Um, and I, I don't know. I mean, there was a whole bunch after that, but that was when I, I was taken to the trauma room. Uh, there were like 30 doctors and nurses waiting for me because um, they hadn't been told how severe it was either because the last shark bite victim in Oceanside had a huge chunk taken out of her um, thigh and lower butt. And it was really bad. She was, she was apparently in hospital for like six months and she was in a pain and in, induced coma for pain, like the whole thing. So as soon as they, I came in and I was like, are you guys still here for me? And they're like, yeah. And then as soon as I figured out that, again, it was just, they were nasty, but they were flesh wounds. So I didn't need surgery. Um, it, again, it hadn't hit the femoral artery, which is great because, uh, I mean, it was on the, my, it was, he was on an angle, but there are, I have four puncture wounds on the inside of my right thigh. Um, and then a bunch of wounds on the, you've seen the pictures on the outside of the right thigh um, above the knee. Um, and the punctures were, um, the deepest one was on the inside of my thigh. It was four centimeters deep, but it was like in and out. Right. So the, so the scar is only the size right, of a right. dime or a nickel. And, um, and then I had a big gash from where the tooth had gone in, but then the shark, like I said, I, when I, when I saw it, I, I, it was like shaking like a dog. That's what I had explained it as when it was on my leg, just did it once. Um, but the shark web guy says, no, he was, well, probably reposition. They try to reposition their jaw to get a better clamp again yeah. just like a, a dog when you're playing with a dog with a toy um and he said so that's probably where that tear was but most of the I had about five or six punctures that were between two and three centimeters deep and then the one that was four centimeters deep but um but no stitches uh one because you can't stitch puncture wounds and then the gash was deep and it was really irregular so they didn't want to stitch that either so instead i had uh, what's called a ruined vacuum so clearly you now have to heal physically from this yes. crazy experience. Um, how, what were the side effects emotionally? Well, at, at the time, again, it was so, and it's still, it's very surreal. It's like, it happened. Like I know it happened. Um, but I've never, I've, I don't at this point have, I don't feel like I have trauma. I don't like, my thoughts about getting back in the ocean is I definitely want to try, but I don't know how I'll feel once I'll start to get in. Um, I don't want to go back to that particular beach because we also found out from the shark lab people that at any given time, there are a hundred juvenile great whites in that area. And we knew that there were sharks there, by the way. So like, again, this is when people are like, oh, yeah, shark, a shark and a shark. I'm like, well, of course. But, um, but I didn't realize, we didn't realize how many there were. We thought there were like, because people would have drone footage and whatnot. So, but emotionally, like I'm doing fine. What was, huh, there's, there's, there's two, there's a couple things that I've been trying to unpack over the past month or so. The first is that 
rather than the fear, I had this weird like, oh, thank goodness that's over, right? Because again, you think about getting bit by a shirt like all the time. And then so I'm like, okay, so good, that happened. And then but the thing is, is that unfortunately, these things start over again. Like it's not, so some guys, some people are like, oh, well, you'll never get bitten twice. I'm like, don't, don't say that. Don't say that. Because you actually like, I have just as much chance as anybody else does. And, you know, when they talk about the chances as well, when it's like one in 300 million or whatever, like that's not, that's not really true because 295 million people will never go in the ocean, right? And then on top of that, one, some of them will go in once or twice when they're on vacation. So the, the odds for people who are in the ocean on a regular basis are much, much higher, right? Still very, still very low, still very low. But, um, but so that, that's one thing that I have to think about because Honestly, it's something I love so much and to have it taken away from me just feels worse than a shark and worse than the, the bite itself. So, um, so there, that's one thing that I've been thinking about. The other thing is that a lot of times people are like, oh, you must have been saved for a reason. And now going back to that perfectionist, like I have to be the best thing, I don't I don't want that pressure. Like, I don't want to think that I'm like a, now I need to go out and like, God bless Bethany Hamilton, right? Who's, who's turned this into an incredibly positive experience. And she goes out and she's does a lot of wonderful work and everything. I'm like, I, and maybe it's just, it's too soon, but like, I was very happy in, in my life. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I want to be a champion. I, I does that like, yeah, and everything that makes sense. That. And then I feel guilty for not wanting to do that. Well, I mean, what platform are you going to have? Like, hey, I'm a survivor or hey, sharks aren't bad or hey, kill the sharks or like you don't have to pick a platform. You are just Lynn who is out there doing the things she loves and a crazy thing happened. And it can just be a crazy story that you tell your grandkids, a new cool scar to show people, you know? Yeah. It no, can just I, be the, the, the logical part of me knows that, but then the other part of me is like, you're not doing a good job, mm. right? So mm. going back to our topic earlier. Uh-huh. Yeah, about driving. That, yes. Feeling a responsibility to mm-hmm. do as much as I can. So, yeah. and, I, and I could have a platform now. And I'm like, oh, so... That's what, that's a weird emotional thing that I didn't expect that I don't think people would think about. Like more, again, it's more the fear yeah. or the PTSD or the nightmares, which may come later and it just hasn't happened yet. But for me, again, it was more of this like, oh my gosh, am I supposed to do something right for, for right. the good of humanity other than well, the small things that I do, you know, by volunteering for my community, right? Like, so there's, yeah. there's that. Um, and then the other thing is, so I, again, I wasn't, I, I didn't really like going out big social gatherings anyway, because most of the time people are drinking there and I can handle that for about an hour. Right. And yeah. then it's, it's not fun when you're not drinking, like it's fun for, to a point, but then when, once it crosses right. the line, you're like, okay, time for me to go home. And I'm happy. And I'm happy with that. I enjoy doing that. I like right. spending time in my house with my cats when reading or watching TV or whatever. But now I, I found now whenever I go out, all I, I, I just constantly get asked about it, which again, I feel guilty about because of course, if it were me, I'd want to hear all about it too. But, and it's not triggering. I don't get emotional talking about it, but it's, I don't 
want to just talk about it all the time, right? So I actually skipped, there was a Christmas party that I was going to go to. And then the day of, like two hours before, I was like, if I go there, I'm going to have to talk about the shark bite just over and over and over again, because people are going to come up, I'll talk about it with that person, and then that person will leave, and then I'll see somebody else, and I'll have to talk about it with that person. Um, And so I just didn't go. So, which was, again, fine, but... Uh, and I know that there'll come a point where it dies down as well, right? That's where a kind yeah. of hiding out, like in, in a couple months or a year, people probably will still remember that I was bitten by a shark, but it may not be as fresh and yeah. uh, something that's... Yeah, as- yeah. No, totally. I mean, this is all about that whole like identity piece, right? But yeah. you know, I do want to say, so this is, this is going to be interesting. Um, A lot of times when crazy things happen to people, good, bad, whatever, people go, you know, it happened for a reason. And uh, I wondered if there were any other things that may have come to light after the shark attack that you didn't know about and wouldn't have discovered otherwise. Well, yes. So, you know, when you're in the hospital, um, they do a whole bunch of other things. Like they check you all out because again, also, even though it didn't look like on the surface that anything terribly had gone wrong, um, they still have to check because there could be, it could have, there could be a tooth still in there or it may have hit a muscle that they hadn't seen from just initial observation. Um, so I had a bunch of, of tests done. Uh, one funniest one I thought was they told me, they're like, well, we're going to do a talk screen on you because just, we just let you know that it's, um, it's just standard for any trauma patient. I was like, oh, in case I was drinking and swimming, they're like, yeah, seriously. But it's just, it's more because like they're going to give me medications and right. sometimes people lie about their their mm-hmm. medica- their stuff yep. that they've been taking. So I get it. So I thought that was, you know, again, talk screen. So they also did a um, an ultrasound of my, of my, both my legs for the ve- a venous, called a venous ultrasound um, to look for blood clots because trauma creates blood clots so they'd immediately also put me on blood thinner right away because even though you want the bleeding to stop clearly you also don't want it to stop so much that you have this big old clot that that makes its way to your heart or lungs or brain right so it was kind of a um a man a, what, a, what a standard operating procedure that you get this so they did it and then the doctor comes in either a few hours later or the next day i can't i can't remember and uh, the first thing he said, he goes, he goes, so are you sure you're not pregnant? And I was like, oh, my God. I go, that would be worse than a shark bite. I'm like, I'm sure I'm not pregnant. He goes, you, you had a false, you have a, you have a positive pregnancy test. And I was like, oh, my God. I go, no, that's like literally impossible unless I am the, you know, the next Virgin Mary, right? So, or along those lines. So he's like, okay, well, we're going to do it again because it may, you know, it could be something else. And then he said, also, we've found um, blood clots in both your lower legs. And he goes, which is odd because normally if it were trauma associated, it would be just in your right leg where the trauma was. So we're going to follow up on that. And as he said, but on the other hand, they're in your lower legs. Um, and so we, they're not considered high risk because that people have blood clots in their lower legs and they should be washed, but they, they're not as bad as having it in your upper legs. Or, and they're also very small. So I was like, okay. So, and, and then we, I'd mentioned that I was on HRT, you know, as you come in, they, they look at your chart and see all the medications you're on. And I said, well, I have a feeling I should probably go off 
that? And he's like, yes, talk, you need to talk to your OBGYN because you can't just stop it though. So it's like, yeah, okay. Um, and he goes, and we need, you know, your wounds to heal. And he's like, and then we'll re also redo it because again, it may be trauma induced, but it's just odd because you have it in your left leg, which was not, doesn't have wounds on. I had like a scratch on it, but, um, so yeah, so now I've been given, so now in the, in a 24 hour period, I was attacked by a shark. I had a positive pregnancy test at 50 after five years of menopause and a of vasectomy <laughs> and no desire whatsoever to have a child, a baby. Uh, and I'd had a test that said I had blood clots. So, oh so yes. So then um, at some point I talked to my OBGYN and she, oh, we did a tapering. Uh, she said, okay, here's, here's what you need to follow. Yes, you need, you need to go off that. So I tapered down from that. Um, I had a follow-up ultrasound. I can't remember if I was still in the hospital or I, I believe actually I was, out, I was out of the hospital and I went into the lab. And they did it again, and they found just now it's just in the right leg. So the left one had resolved, and that whether that was, we don't know. And, and I can tell you that the doctors are like, we don't know why, we don't care why it's gone. So, mm -hmm. which is fine. But so there's still one now in the low, lower right leg. I'm completely off, off the HRT. As of right now, the only symptoms that have come back are the night sweats, um, and it's not that bad. And, uh, and I have, uh, I have to take a baby aspirin every day. So that was when I went to the, um, the hematologist, he looked at it and he said, okay, we're just going to keep an eye on these. You're, we're going to be, um, very cautious in treatment right now. So you're going to start on baby aspirin and I'm going to see you again in three months. And we'll do another ultrasound then. So that's where um, I am with that. Oh my gosh. And you know, that's like, I feel like you're officially old like me yep. because only old people that I know take, again, my dad, baby aspirin. you and yep. my dad are keeping baby yep. aspirin in business. Um, that's just crazy. You know, at the end of the day, this happened to you. You yep. are, you are one of the weird odds and, uh, your story is so layered and, uh, and ha I don't know, it just has a lot of, um, rabbit holes that other people can relate to. So when you throw something like a big trauma on a big physical trauma that also I think has emotional, you know, yeah. uh, elements on top of it all, it's just so interesting. So here's yeah. the thing. You got to get used to people asking, but yeah, yeah, 30, what is it? 30 minutes of fame or 30 seconds of fame 15, or whatever 15, they call it. Yes. I said 15. that. I, like this is definitely like 15 minutes of fame. So so what's next for you? Um, well, I, like I said, I'm visiting. I was supposed to visit my mom in November, uh, and that didn't happen. Uh, we actually, right up until, I'd been considering it right up until three days before because I was out of the hospital. I had my wound vac. Theoretically, I could have gone, but then it got in. But then I, it was one of those things where I was like, if, if something happens when I'm gone, I'm going to be like the biggest idiot. Like people are going to be like, she went and traveled across the country after she'd been bitten by a shark 10 days earlier. Like, what a stupid thing to do, right? And I knew it was that. Was that. So, and that was good because of the wound I actually ended up getting infected. So I had to go back to the hospital for another five days to get mm -hmm. IV antibiotics. And that's, I also had MRSA in my blood, which we caught really early, which was good. Oh, yes, wow. I know. Okay. So okay. I was back again. So, but where, what is now? So now I'm finally visiting my mother in, in, my, in Pennsylvania. And, um, I don't know. I, 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 I had already done this. I'd already been the type of person that was very day by day, minute by minute already. 
in a good way. Um, and now it's just even more so. So the next step uh, with swimming related, I've already gone back in the pool once. And so I, I will try the ocean with my swim group in a different location, not in Del Mar. We've found a place, another beach to go to that has fewer sharks. So, uh, and I just, like I said, I kind of want to get back to my, my life. Right. And if I am supposed to do something with this, whether it's a weekly podcast with Nicole DeBoom, potentially, um, or <laughs> if it's it. just a cool story, I, I, I don't know at this point. You know, uh, let's get you out to Colorado, do some deep open water mountain lake swimming. No sharks allowed. No sharks. But no very sharks. cold. Very cold, but we'll be fine. We'll be yeah. fine. It, it's warm in the sun, cold my, in the water. My, my swim, Take it, of course. Uh, my swim group bought me a new wetsuit, by the way, already. <laughs> Because mine was cut off. Um, yeah, you can. You, yeah, that one you need to save though. That's for sure. They sent me just um, the legs back. I have just the just the legs of the wetsuit. It's kind of weird. It's so awesome. That needs to turn into a Halloween costume somehow. I love yeah. it. So okay, well, we have we covered a lot of ground today, yes. and I think it's time to wrap it and get you back to visiting with your mom. Um, But I'm going to do the final question that we ask every guest who comes on the show. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. So if you can leave our listeners with one final nugget, one little piece of advice to help them run their worlds in a bigger and better way, what would it be? Lynn's final life I'm going to go with my, this was my motto even before I stopped drinking, by the way. But um, I found that, that the serenity prayer is and that and it's it's applicable for every, it's not just not drinking or not doing drugs it's everything in your life and I, I'm not going to say the whole thing but it's basically control what you can don't worry about what you can't that's it like so again it's it's if you look it up it's much there's much more prettily worded than that but um, I find that I am a much happier person and that. Good things come when you think that way. Um, and it's and a lot of things too is again going back to it is that there's uh, I I just said it this a long time ago, but there's no negative and there's no crazy allowed in my life anymore. So when I find myself either doing it myself, I I work on that, or if I'm with people that can't be helped, then I am very I keep my those occasions limited as much as possible. Oh, I love it. Lynn, you are amazing. Thank you for all your you time today. <laughs> I yeah. miss you. I do. The, the other thing, so other than the penis game, the other thing when I was trying to think of like, when I think of you, there's just, there's a, there's a feeling of comfort. So again, I can't pinpoint, I can pinpoint specific like experiences of either craziness or fun or dangerous situations or whatever. But when I think of, when I just think of you and our friendship, it's just comfortable and, and warm. That's all. That's what I think of. I I think the exact same thing. Yeah. And it hasn't changed over all these years. Yes. I love you. I love you too.